0: What's the whole thing about sleep? The
1: purpose of sleeping is still poorly understood. There's direct effect on every aspect of our health. In terms of deep sleep and dream sleep, deep sleep is necessary to flush out toxins that build up in the brain. Toxins build up and directly correlate with Alzheimer's and other kinds of dementia
0: popular demand is Dr. Shane Criado. A double board certified sleep medicine doctor and psychiatrist. Is a sleep performance expert. Specializes in sleep with athletes and brain health. Psychiatrist for U.S. Olympic and Paralympic Committee. He's also the author of the best-selling book, Peak Sleep Performance for Athletes. Introducing Dr. Shane Criado, who will fix your sleep first time ever in Health Shot Podcast. To Health Shots with Ryan Fernando, where we raise a glass to your well being and begin a new journey towards a healthier, more vibrant you. Alright, let's get cracking with my architect. A gentleman, a fellow goan, a doctor with a double board certified in psychiatry and sleep medicine, Dr. Shane Criado. He's written, in my opinion one of the best books I've ever read on sleep. It's called Peak Sleep Performance for Athletes. I'm on the cutting edge of making athletes win and sleep is the new diet. So Dr. Shade has studied. He's got a bachelor's in physical therapy and then he went on to do an MD. I don't think that was enough. And he graduated at the top of his class. So, you know, whenever I recruit people uh, into the core nutrition clinics, I'm always looking how good they were in school, not in the subject matter, but where did they graduate? And so he's got the gold medal in every possible standard and he completed his psychiatry residency uh, training at the university of wisconsin that was not what caught my eye what caught my eye is he's on the board of directors of the international society for sports psychiatry and sports players really in today's world have so much of pressure that just giving them a diet is not good enough And if you take the pressures of sport and you bring that into your daily life, I think everyone has some sort of mental pressure, biochemistry pressure, physical pressure. So I think Dr. Shane would be the right person to get into a heated topic where the mind will not overheat, but we'll get certain snippets and shots from him on how we can get to the next level. Now, he's been associated with the Amen Clinics. Uh, Dr. Daniel Amen is a guru that I follow from the brain perspective and I get to follow him on the internet, but Dr. Shane gets to practice with this gentleman at the Amen Clinics. He's also part of the NBA Players Association, the Australian Football League, the US Olympic and Paralympic Committee, the Miami Heats, the Chicago Blackhawks, and get this, the Rafa Nadal Academy and so much more. Now, why do I want him talking to us about health shots today? Is basically, hey, Dr. Shane is, in my opinion, the sleep guru of the world. So without further ado, Dr. Shane, are you there? And hi, good evening or good afternoon. Where are
1: you speaking to me from? Ryan, thank you for that warm, warm welcome. I'm so happy to be here. I'm talking to you from Chicago. So it's a good morning to me and a good evening to you, sir.
0: Wonderful. So let's get cracking. I've I've got this whole list of questions that have been asked by my fans here in this part of the world. So the first one, why did you become a sleep doctor? I mean, you did psychiatry, but sleep doctor, did you get enough sleep studying so much in college? (laughs)
1: I got hardly any sleep in my medical practice, which is one reason why I was fascinated with sleep. But no, really, when we do psychiatry training on medical training, there's little to no focus on sleep. And there's a massive overlap between, as we'll talk about, between sleep and mental health issues and general health as well. And I was staring my hair out saying, why are we not learning more about sleep? Not just, oh, let's print out something from Google. Everyone gets eight hours, but the impact of things like sleep apnea, insomnia, shift work on your overall health, your lifestyle, your quality of life, concentration, men, mental health, as well as athletic performance. And so I decided to do a sleep medicine fellowship, an additional training after psychiatry. And then working with athletes and sports psychiatry, I realized even the elite athletes, the sports teams, and national teams going to the Olympics were not focusing on sleep in a personalized, precision driven way, the way you do with nutrition and your elite athletes, the way that people focus on mental conditioning coaching or physical training, they were forgetting about a personalized approach to sleep. And so I said, I'm just gonna write a book on this stuff, put it all together and kind of like create that awareness in different teams and leagues and organizations around the world. So that's my mission, to show people that everyone can utilize these basic sleep strategies, understand your natural rhythms, retrain your brain, and it's gonna have a downstream effect of reducing disease burden across the board, especially considering that it's such a prevalent issue in India.
0: Awesome. So let's get cracking. Let's see what are the main questions that me and my listeners have asked him. Now, the first one, why is sleep important for us, and why eight hours? Is it this like one third, eight hours you sleep, one third you work, and one third you faff around? What's the whole thing about sleep?
1: Yeah, so it's a little more nuanced than that, right? The purpose of sleeping is still poorly understood. However, there are multiple theories, and we know that there's direct effects on every aspect of our health: our nervous system, our cardiovascular system, our immune system, our GI system, our brain health. So, sleep is important for us only because it's for survival. Even when they look at AI models now, mm-hmm. the AI models need their sleep. So in terms of deep sleep and dream sleep, broadly speaking, deep sleep is necessary to flush out toxins that build up in the brain through the drainage channels called the glymphatic system that was only discovered in Two thousand and four, two thousand and five, so pretty recently. And if you don't get enough deep sleep or non REM sleep, toxins build up and directly correlate with Alzheimer's and other kinds of dementias. Whereas So, so dream Doc, sleep? this
0: deep this deep sleep is is it also known as the
1: SWS sleep? Slow wave sleep or non rem sleep. That's absolutely right. Yes.
0: Okay, so if an athlete is measuring this and their devices are looking at deep sleep? we're talking about the deep sleep or the sws sleep yes and most awesome. of the devices the on the sleep? market is rem sleep
1: or dream sleep and dream sleep is necessary for memory consolidation new learnings working memory and so if you're not getting sufficient dream sleep you're not consolidating the learning from the previous day
0: how would that help an athlete i mean an athlete just has to repeat stuff and go out and kick a ball or throw a ball. So what learning is there? So, I mean, you also work with athletes, so yeah, maybe I get, so what comes first? Uh, I'm i I'm behaving like an athlete. Does the dream sleep come first? The REM sleep comes first? Can I, can I give up one of these guys? Because, you know, I want to watch Netflix or I've got to catch a flight to go for a competition tomorrow and I don't want to go a day prior. So what's it like?
1: Yeah, the first half of the night is more deep sleep for you flushing mm-hmm. out toxins, cleansing your brain in the later half of the night you have more dream sleep. So why is it important? Because the same areas that control dream sleep are also necessary for emotional stability. Think about mental resilience, mental conditioning, coaching. Think about the plays you learned from the previous day. If your opponent or your opposing team, certain plays usually use, your coach, your team will sit down and say, well, this is some strategy you want to figure out, especially tennis, one-on-one players. So if you don't get enough deep and dream sleep you're not going to be able to be able to function effectively the next day and how effective is this there's studies that show this as well so matthew walker did this study with depriving people of sleep versus people who got eight hours of sleep in a given night the next day their ability to retain new information
0: dropped 40 percent so what's the difference so let's let's summarize that if i don't sleep well my ability to learn the next day drops by 40%. That's right. So a lot of people who deprive, so does this apply only to athletes? So this applies to even Everybody. corporate workers and even you and me, every single person.
1: So what do I do?
0: I read in your book and I highlighted this point and everyone should get your book. If they're Thank an you. athlete, you wrote that for every 1.5 hours of sleep reduction, daytime alertness drops by 32 percent yes so should i sleep six hours should i sleep eight hours should i sleep 10 hours
1: i go by sleep cycles of 90 minutes each not by hours anymore please enlighten me on this yes absolutely so one sleep cycle which includes deep dream light sleep is around 90 minutes for the average person So seven and a half hours of sleep is five sleep cycles of 90 minutes each. Most adults need around seven and a half hours of sleep. If you're younger, if you're a teenager, you need closer to nine or ten hours of sleep. One second. So are you saying the younger you are, the
0: more sleep you need? Yes. Look at baby. My son is going to school. He's going for tuitions. He has to get up in the morning. He just gets seven hours of sleep.
1: Yeah, I used to do the same thing, and I look back and say, What was I doing? I was in Stanislaus and Bandra and running around with tuitions and classes. It will not only reduce your ability to learn new things, when we see the brain scans in the Yemen clinics, the areas of the frontal lobe, the, the temporal lobe, the back of the brain are affected with chronic sleep loss the same way our head injury patients are affected brain-wise.
0: Whoa, whoa, so are you saying? That, you know, the kids that come to me who are between the ages of, say, 5 and 15 for sports nutrition, they should be sleeping more because if they don't sleep more, their brain scans, if we did one, would show the same as traumatic head injury. Yes. And why is that important? Therefore, we should not compromise on sleep, but compromise on tuitions and playtime and sleep more.
1: Yes. So 40% reduction in your memory consolidation It's like you're being sleep deprived. Your brain is a sponge that's already soaked. It's not dry enough to take up new information. Now, the old knowledge was that after you learn something, you need to sleep to consolidate the memories. Yes, 100% true. But now we know for a fact that if your brain isn't adequately sleep fed, you're not going to be able to learn anything new or even retain what you already learned. Dr. Why Shane, you I love
0: that term, sleep fed, that we've learned it wrong. I bet he did it wrong and I did it wrong by studying late night into exams. And we didn't have more memory. It's just stupidity without brain scans and modern doctors like Dr. Shane. So Dr. Shane says, let's sleep feed our brain and smaller children, teenagers need more sleep than adults. And everything is in the learning and there's a 40% reduction. Okay, I'm sorry I'm affecting your flow state, but I had a question on flow, which was one of my clients' message. He says, how will sleeping better affect my flow state and how is this state uh, beneficial for maximum efficiency? Now, I don't, I don't understand whether they mean flow state as an athlete or flow state as sleep. What do you feel is the question here?
1: Okay, so Flow State has been popularized by Stephen Kotler, as we know. He's written really good books, including The Rise of Superman. And Flow State is considered a state in which Malcolm Gladwell speaks about this, Brené Brown speaks about this, where you have more mental clarity, creativity, and very fast decision-making. More intuition takes over your conscious thinking. So when you look at elite athletes, when you look at Sachin and his matches, Sachin Dendulkar, when you look at Alcaraz or Federer or Djokovic, they just click into something else. You see it, you notice it from the outside, but internally they're just driving on intuition. That's flow state where you have a wealth of experience and now you're going to the quantum level rather than the binary level is what I think about. I think about the conscious brain as a binary computer. subconscious brain as a quantum computer so that's what flow state is now in terms of brain waves three primary brain waves come into play when it comes to flow state theta alpha and gamma and there's different frequencies of how fast your brain is cycling to get into those states so theta is when you're deeply relaxed alpha is when you're alert yet calm and gamma is when you're in deep concentration so some combination of those three Results in intuition taking over conscious thinking, and it might manifest as reaction times, mental reaction times, physical reaction times. We know that sleep, the right amounts of quality sleep, not just quantity, can actually have you work sharper, be more efficient. Your reaction times can drop by 300% with little to no sleep a given night. So think about the athletes when it comes to traveling, time zones, jet lag travel fatigue, but what about you in your daily life? What about driving to work? What about your reaction times and risk of car accidents? A small study showed that in daylight savings time here in the US, when you lose an hour of sleep in March, the next day, there's a 21% increase risk of heart attacks. And in the fall, in the autumn, when we gain an hour of sleep when the times shift, there's around a 20 to 24% drop in the heart attacks the next day. Car accidents, much worse the day after you've lost that hour of sleep because of the reaction times. Think you about know, in that the, in terms in of In the learning.
0: pandemic, everyone worked from home and everyone binged what Netflix. And because they didn't have to travel to work, they slept a little shorter and watched TV longer, got lesser sleep, and we had more uh, cardiovascular incidences post-pandemic. There we are. Now you know why. Very, what. very, very interesting. Okay, I'm going to go to the next question, which is... Uh, about you being a specialist in this field as a sleep doctor, as a sports psychiatrist. In your field of practice, have you found out that something that nobody else has kind of found the link? Like, for example, could the gut microbiome influence your brain and thinking capability and sleep? Or is there something very unique that you have found that you want to share with us?
1: Oh, speaking of the gut microbiome, 100%. The gut produces 75% for neurotransmitters. So things serotonin, dopamine, norepinephrine, or adrenaline. And it also is 80% of your immune
0: system. I'm going to keep interrupting you here. So if my gut's producing 75% of my neurotransmitters, the signals that my brain gets, the chemicals that my brain gets, it's been produced in my gut. So my gut is connected to my brain. That's what you're saying? Uh, okay, yes. Okay, hang on. So if I'm mentally depressed, it's not in my brain. It's coming from my gut. Mostly from your gut. So in your book, you've written about junk food. And so junk food is my department. People eat protein, carb, fats. And you've written about this. So I I want you to explain to me about the microbiome, the gut neurotransmitter, and about this study in Uppsala University in Sweden about the two different types of food, which is basically normal food and a little bit of a junk food. And could you throw a little bit light on how that's affected people? Yeah. So. The gut
1: microbiome has a bunch of bacteria and other things that need to be in healthy amounts. So the healthy bacteria, the top four healthy bacteria in our gut produce a B vitamin, B for boy. They also need vitamin D, D for dog, in order to survive. They can't make their own vitamin D, as we all know. So I'm preaching to the choir over here. So please stop me, interrupt me, correct me at any time. When those bacteria produce B vitamins, those B vitamins are responsible for red blood cell production and nervous system health. That's why pregnant women are asked to take more beta vitamins, more folate for the neural development, the nervous system of the fetus. So if you're not getting enough vitamin D or not having healthy amounts of healthy bacteria, what's gonna take over the unhealthy bacteria or dysbiosis in the nutrition world. And then that's gonna result in a complete catastrophe, cascade as I like to call it, where inflammation worsens, leaky gut happens, neurotransmitters go out of whack, And then your body doesn't have the raw materials and ingredients it needs to make healthy amounts of neurotransmitters and hormones
0: so that's amazing so now i'm suddenly thinking people who are depressed people who have anxiety people who just are constantly stressed out one is sleep is the new diet and diet is also slapping your gut which is slapping your brain does it also affect your sleep so i'm like okay i don't get enough of sleep but then i also eat bad so is eating bad also affecting the sleep?
1: A hundred percent. So the gut microbiome also influences your sleep in a major, major way. They've done studies on fecal transplants in rats where they take some feces, put it in another rat. And they can actually induce diseases like insomnia and narcolepsy where people just sleep too much just with changing the microbiome so when you say it's a gut feeling
0: it's more like feeling is gut it's amazing that you talk about this because you know i've been practicing for two decades now and uh, at the core nutrition clinics we do something which is bio individual and nutrigenomics since 2010 microbiome testing about five years ago when it first started that's Um, way ahead of the game wow so the the idea was bio-individuality so i always believed dr shane that Each person was a scientific study in their own right. So, like in the Uppsala University study, I remember reading that and thank you for sharing that article with me. And my conclusion from that was everyone binge eats on the weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So, it's high fat, high sugar diets, obviously alcohol and everything in that period. And then the study said that the deep wave sleep, the sine wave sleep, was much more erratic and lesser. Now, I remember when uh, athletes were doing hypertrophic training and they had to do faster recovery because we had just a short period of time, let's say between the IPL and them going on to the World Cup. The mandate was the more my cricketer gets deep sleep, sine wave sleep. So the sine wave sleep, correct me if I'm wrong, releases more stem cells, which is the rejuvenation of the human body, which is a rejuvenation. So when people eat the junk food, the sine wave sleep gets short-circuited. And so I was just thinking, hey, so I'm getting... So it says that there was no difference in the number of hours of sleep, but there was some issue on the sine wave. And I was like, okay, so that really is your beauty sleep. That really is what's affecting you. And this is the reason why I think everyone turns up on Monday morning feeling demotivated to work, no matter their profession. And it's not that they hate their job. It's just that they did not understand They short-circuited their diet, their diet short-circuited their sleep, their sleep short-circuited their will for going to work the next day, and therefore their daytime alertness dropped by, what you said, 32%, memory and learning dropped by 40%. So I'm a zombie on Monday morning.
1: Yeah, you're essentially functioning as if you're jet-lagged, a jet-lagged zombie.
0: And because... Sorry, and and so you're jet-lagged. So when you're speaking of jet lag, and when people come to you for brain scans, I'm sure you get a lot of people who take the exotic stuff, the alcohols, And the weeds and the cannabis and all of this stuff. And I do have athletes asking me, Ryan, what's your opinion, you know? And I'm like, listen, I'm on the Olympic doping committee. You're not supposed to take this stuff. Do you know you can get it even in the fumes? So you shouldn't be around people with the fumes. Well, what's your scientific take for us to convince people that alcohol, in my opinion, should have surgeon's warning, Dr. Shane Criado's warning, alcohol consumption is injurious to your health. What's your take on this? Am I wrong?
1: You're 100% right. So you can talk about alcohol affecting the gut, that's your expertise. You can talk about alcohol damaging the brain, the same patterns we see on in head injuries and chronic sleep problems. We see in spect images with alcohol use. It looks like a head injured, like a brain injury. Now, alcohol also, while it may be sedating, so it may help you fall asleep, it's gonna fragment that deep sleep that you spoke about earlier. So. Sleep fragmentation means bad quality sleep, which means your brain is not going to flush toxins out. But people say they drink alcohol and they sleep better. They fall asleep, okay, but they're going to wake up in the middle of the night or they might not even be aware of the fact that their brain is woken up because if your brain wakes up for maybe three seconds or less and goes back to sleep, you won't be consciously aware that it woke up, but it may Ah. do that throughout the night. And you may wake up, And as a sleep scientist, you're able to see this in a sleep lab. Exactly. And you may wake up not remembering, but you may feel terrible the next day. What's a hangover? What is feeling like crap the next day after you've had nine hours of sleep, but five drinks the previous night?
0: It's poor quality sleep. So we know that, you know, I work with a lot of celebrities. You work with a lot of celebrities. We can't take names, right? So I can't take names of who's got a six pack and what protein powder I've given them. And you can't tell me who's like an alcoholic. But in the field of celebrity and the pressure to go and party and stuff like that, have you actually done and seen wherein people have these scans done and then they decide to follow your diet, which is the sleep diet, your diet, which is reduction in alcohol or abstinence from alcohol? And do you have a before and after scan? And is there any information that you can share which our viewers will understand that there's no hocus pocus of these two guys talking about it, There's actual Proper diagnostics to say that there is a massive improvement in a person's condition.
1: Yes, there is. And so we can look at improvements in terms of cognitive testing, emotional testing, subjective symptoms that they've reported, sleep testing, biomarkers like blood tests, like testosterone levels get boosted, inflammation markers come down. Cholesterol and blood sugar level markers come down and imaging verification on spec images before and after they've implemented a brain healthy protocol, which includes the kind of nutrition work you do and the kind of sleep work I do. We've seen brains look healthier and younger over time with changing our diets and our sleep because those things are modifiable, which is what's so beautiful about
0: it. You know, doc, I've not even gone through half the questions that I have to do. So we are going to do part two shortly. But before we let you go, and we come back again for part two, I want to ask you a few questions staying with nutrition. Does hydration play an important role in the quality and duration of sleep? And should we stop all fluids before bedtime? And what is the last time to eat before you go to sleep? So once hydration, is it important? Should we stop fluids before going to bed? And when's the last meal, should we eat before going to bed?
1: Hydration is extremely important. Make sure that your urine is clear, looking like water, then you know you're adequately hydrated. Why is it important? It's because if your brain is partially, even partially if your body is partially dehydrated, your body's gonna release more stress hormone cortisol. So dehydration, less blood volume, Cortisol tightens up the blood vessels so you can maintain your healthy blood pressure. But stress hormones like cortisol disrupt your sleep. Chronic stress hormone release, chronic dehydration, results in shrinking of the gray matter in the brain, which is necessary for memory executive functioning. Wow. So that's how important hydration is and also hydration with the right electrolytes, right? Sodium, potassium being the primary ones. Now, when should we stop fluids before bedtime, was another question you just asked me. It depends. If you've been well-hydrating throughout the day, great. Maybe an hour before bedtime, you stop your fluid intake. You don't wanna wake up thirsty and then drink water. Another reason why people shouldn't be drinking a lot of alcohol or smoking weed, because it makes you thirsty. You're gonna wake up, it's gonna disrupt your sleep. Now, if you look at sleep hygiene guidelines printed out on the internet, they might say, no meal three hours before bedtime. No fluids three hours before bedtime, not necessarily. One size does not fit all, right? It's a personalized approach. So what kind of food are you consuming before bed? I would say the reason they say three hours before bedtime no food is because sometimes there's reflux and the food can come up and then you might feel nauseous and and wake up. However, if you're eating healthy foods before night time, so what's healthy? You know this better than anybody else. High protein, complex, slow carbs. They maintain your energy, blood sugar levels, and a steady state throughout the night. If you have fast carbs, sugars, all that junk food that we mentioned earlier, it's going to burn out of your system very quickly. You might have a dip in your blood sugar levels in the middle of the night. middle of the night, you have more dream sleep. You burn as many calories as when you're awake. So what's it going to do? It's going to say, wait a minute, low blood sugar. Let me get some more. Where am I going to get it from? Wake up. I'm going to get it from my cortisol because it pulls the muscle glycogen to convert it to glucose. And then it's going to wake you up because cortisol is a stress hormone. You're actually going to fuel the cortisol peak earlier and higher in the middle of the night than it would otherwise. The normal cortisol peak is between four and six in the morning. It slowly rises as your melatonin drops. You'll
0: be sabotaging your sleep. One of the questions that I wanted to ask you is because I do this and I'm a Goan and you're a fellow Goan, and we love our afternoon siesta, right? So I try and get a 20 to 30 minute nap in the afternoon and it just comes naturally. So the question over here is Does napping contribute to daily sleeping requirements? So if I sleep for two hours during the afternoon or evening, which a lot of athletes do, and then I sleep for six hours at night, I've completed eight hours of sleep. Now, doctor, does this count? Or do I need eight hours of continuous sleep? It counts.
1: So as long as you're getting your ideal amount of sleep in a 24-hour period, that's absolutely fine. Historically, anthropologists suggest that human beings had bimodal sleep, so a few hours in different parts of the day. Now, it made a lot of sense back then if some people had to stay awake look out for wild animals make sure the fire was going feeding raising the, the kids all that kind of stuff so bimodal sleep made a lot of sense in our modern world we want to squish it all into the night time which is fine but many cultures as you mentioned have this siesta Some studies have suggested that if people are napping during the day, their heart attack rate goes up by 30, 40%. But those studies, if you look into the details, those people are feeling sleepy during the day, which means there's something wrong with their nighttime sleep, their sleep quality. But a strategic nap that I use the term with my athletes or a tactical nap I use with my military folk is a fixed time, fixed duration each day that compensates for total sleep need in a 24 hour period. So strategic napping is a powerful, powerful tool to boost performance, productivity, quality of life. A NASA study showed this as well with their pilots. NASA looked at pilots who got a 26-minute nap, a strategic nap that was timed at a fixed time, and they found that their alertness and productivity was boosted by 30 and 50%. So what does that mean for an average person who has a regular job or a student? If you get a strategic nap, at a fixed time, fixed duration, is you're going to be able to do that much more learning or be that much more efficient, 30 to 50% more
0: in the same amount of time. That's awesome. You know, I actually do this half an hour nap for many years now because I counsel in the latter half of the day. I start as early as 8 o'clock in the morning. In the days I don't get that nap, I'm very cranky by the 5 o'clock in the evening counseling. And I work globally with clients from your part of the world, which is USA. So they're just about waking up at around... 6:30 6:30 uh, evening India time, and I notice if I get that after the nap, I'm all bubbly, I'm all good, I'm all focused, I'm taking down notes, and I can remember the last counselling I did with them. So if it subscribes to NASA pilots, and you work with your athletes, and a nutritionist, it works for. I think that's going to be the new mantra. We're going to get people to start napping for 26 minutes. Dr. Shane Criado, in my opinion, has written one of the best books, Peak Sleep Performance for Athletes. I got a signed copy from the US from him many months ago. So he signed it, and that's there. But what's very interesting is I started making my own notes at the back of the book. And Dr. Shane, I gotta say, your book is really amazing in terms of how you put it in very easily for the athlete to read it. So as a medical expert, I read it and I've got tons of information which I can convey to my athletes. But I actually left it for my dad and he read the book cover to cover. And I kid you not, one day at nine o'clock in the evening, I saw him going to sleep. He had come to stay with me for a vacation. I'm like, dad, where are you going? I'm going to have to sleep. It's like, Why? You always sleep at 12 o'clock at night. No, no, no. Dr. Shane says it's better to get to, diet, to sleep earlier. And I was like, your book had that sort of impact on an elderly person and old people are difficult to change their habits so shane thank you for writing this book everyone should get a copy well let's pick his brains beyond the book thank you so much i wish
1: i wish my father would listen to me when it comes to the sleep (laughs) strategies and the book is for everyone to have access to these strategies that we use with our elite clients and athletes and celebrities for everyone to utilize so everyone can benefit from these sleep hack. So thank you so much for that. And I'd be honored to collaborate with you on a book on sleep and nutrition. It could be amazing.
0: Let's do that. Let's do that. That's our next project together. But sticking to this project, picking your brains, your gray cells, which, by the way, how much sleep did you get last night? Seven and a half hours. So the man practices what he preaches. One of the world's best sleep doctors and my good friend now from the other part of the world. The question coming in, can one get good quality sleep in less time, like say five or six hours? Does it depend from person to person? Some people sleep for hours. I get a lot of billionaire clients say like I have, I need four hours of sleep and I'm trying to get them to get anti-aging and I've actually been able to prove to a lot of them that their age drops, visceral fat drops, cortisol improves and, you know, they they burn fat, they look younger, they are much more responsive, but they just have this thing that they've been go-getters all their life including doctors who say that, you know, I can get by with four hours of sleep. So now you're a doctor, you've done the research, is it person-dependent? And can you talk about the difference between quantity and quality of sleep?
1: It is person-dependent. Quality and quantity, I'll start with that, because what's most important for sleep is not only the duration or the amount, but the quality, making sure that you're getting enough deep and dream sleep and anything that impacts your quality of sleep is going to be sleep fragmenting or disrupting like sleep apnea restless legs a noisy snoring bed partner pets jumping up and down in the bed external noise a like cloud environment children in the
0: same bed excuse me children in the same bed oh yeah bad horrible idea terrible
1: because you're not going to be able to sleep properly so in fact there was another study done on new mothers Within the first six months of giving birth and taking care of the infant, their DNA aged mm-hmm. between three to seven years because DNA aging is directly correlated with poor sleep. Within six months, their
0: DNA aged by, by years. So did you have any pregnant uh, expecting mother come to you for guidance and then have delivered a child? What would be your advice to the mother because you can't tell a mother, hey, keep your baby away. So what would your uh, practical advice be to the mother?
1: There's a way in which you swaddle the baby for most comfort, number mm-hmm. one. Number two is the baby needs to be in a separate cot, not on, in your bed. Number three, you need to train the baby with regular feed times rather than go by the baby cycle, create new cycles. Now babies need most of the time they're sleeping. and the older they get, they need less and less sleep. So you can actually train your kids, so it's it's what's called sleep coaching, to feed at certain times, to nap at certain times, to swaddle the baby appropriately, to have the right temperature in the room and the right amount of darkness. And then when a toddler is getting cranky, there's ways in which you can cut those unhealthy habits, what's called extinguishing negative behaviors. So the baby's crying, 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 if you go and carry them, then they'll know, okay, well, if I cry, I'm going to get attention. So there's specific strategies for, for new parents, young mothers, to help them survive having a new baby, but also helping the baby regulate their sleep because the baby's brain is growing at a rapid pace. If they're not getting good quality sleep, their growth hormone is reduced. So less growth, stunted growth, brain issues down the line if it's not developing properly with the right chunks of sleep
0: but getting back to your question
1: thank you getting back to your question about five or six hours some billionaires need four hours of sleep look i mean one percent of the population are called short sleepers where they need six hours or less of sleep and there's genetic variations to show that these short sleepers do fine there's no long-term impact in their genetics, their DNA, their aging, their risk factors, heart attacks, strokes, diabetes, cancers, dementias, but they're only 1% of the population, okay? Now, ideally, most people who are adults need seven and a half hours of sleep. We spoke about this earlier. Teenagers need more. Athletes who are training at a very high level need nine hours of sleep or six sleep cycles, 10 and a half hours, even 12 hours. Roger Federer would speak about getting 12 hours of sleep in a 24-hour period. So how can you get more quality sleep if you're getting nine hours of sleep and still feeling unrefreshed? Maybe it's a sleep quality issue. Maybe your sleep apnea. So in that case, you can treat the sleep qualitative issue and maybe your sweet spot in terms of optimal sleep is closer to seven, seven and a half hours. That's awesome. Meditating. Meditating is a great way of calming the brain down, slowing it down. So you might need less sleep. If you're highly anxious, you're burning through resources very quickly and you may need more recovery sleep or you may feel sleepy during the day. So, If you mitigate anxiety, if you meditate, the Dalai Lama said sleep is the best meditation, then you might get away with better quality sleep. So a less need for a amount of sleep that you're getting in a 24 hour period.
0: I agree with the Dalai Lama, and I agree with you, Dr. Shane. I have actually fallen asleep in my meditation classes. so Then you're doing it body, right. Yeah, my body knows, knows correctly. And, and speaking of this, this is very valuable advice that you've, you've given us. Uh, I want to get into picking your brains on some rapid-fire questions so that our listeners uh, can learn more about what's your medical opinion, the psychology of the brain, and the sleep science. So, I hope you're warmed up, shred starts. I'm going to go quick, rapid fire. And you've just got to give me answers in one minute. And I'm going to go to the next question. So are you ready, Dr. Shane? I am. All right. Let's see how good your sleep was yesterday and whether you have 32% lesser alertness or you got 100% alertness. First one, how can one track their sleep? Do you think buying a watch or an exercise wearable or some devices or these rings um, uh, does it help you? And if you can't buy these wearables, how can a person track their sleep?
1: Don't buy a wearable. It's a waste of your time and your money. They don't accurately detect deep and dream sleep. As a, I'm throwing this out. <laughs> I don't wear a wearable. I'm old fashioned. If you want to look at your total sleep as a rough measure, fine. But if you're trying to look at deep and dream sleep, people can get obsessive. They can develop what's called orthosomnia. And I tell my athletes, it doesn't matter. Those wearables are roughly measuring. How how accurate or inaccurate are they? In a study with 10 wearables a few years ago, they found only 3 out of 10 times could they accurately detect deep and dream sleep. That's worse than tossing a coin. Rough measure, yes. Individual measures, rubbish.
0: So... I use a barometer when I go to sleep, I try and increase the oxygen in the room. So if I put the AC on, I keep the window slightly open because I notice if I don't get enough of oxygen, I don't sleep deeply. I get up very groggy the next morning. So I I think maybe just listening to your intuition, um, that that really, really works at the end of the day. And maybe an alarm clock, a traditional alarm clock, how many hours? Oh, I'm going to sleep at 11 o'clock at night. I'm getting up at seven o'clock in the morning. Yeah, I got eight hours of sleep. Right. Yeah.
1: So I want you and every listener and every athlete and celebrity I work with to get more tuned with their body. If you're waking up refreshed and can function throughout the day, you're getting the right amount of sleep. That's the amount of sleep is right for you.
0: Awesome. Awesome. And if I can come in over here, magnesium threonate and uh, apigenin found in chamomile tea actually induce a deeper sleep. So just have that and fingers crossed you're going to get a deeper sleep. Next question doc this is from our ancient ayurveda from this part of the world and the yoga is yoga nidra non-sleep deep rest effective are there any other techniques that you suggest to reduce stress in a person just before they go to sleep
1: yes and yes yoga nidra is a great strategy to get into the theta the delta states for healing for deep healing and it targets your nervous system, so it strengthens the rest and relax system and calms the sympathetic nervous system that's a fight or the flight nervous system. In this deeper relaxation, it also releases more melatonin. It's a powerful antioxidant, helps with immune function, blood pressure, stress hormone levels, and induces restful sleep, so melatonin is more than just a supplement to help you fall asleep. But yoga nidra is extremely powerful in that non-sleep deep rest category of strategies to calm that nervous system down very powerfully, very quickly. And there are other strategies for non-sleep deep rest. One of my favorites is physiological sighing. It's a breathing technique that, you got it. So physiological sighing is a deep inhale, and then even more of an
0: inhale, Oh, a double inhale.
1: Yes. At the peak of inhalation, inhale even more, and then as slowly as possible, blow out through your mouth as if you're breathing through a straw. You got it. Even if you take your heart rate, five minutes of doing physiological sighing is more effective than 30 minutes of meditation. You'll find a drop. So what happens with my NBA guys who have night games and their adrenaline is pumping, their testosterone is through the roof, the cortisol is pumping, Physiological sighing. Yoga nidra. Progressive awesome. muscle relaxation. Golden. Um,
0: speaking of golden, five tips for light sleepers because they would pick you in gold to get a good night's sleep.
1: That's the difference between getting the gold medal and not even making it to the podium. And studies have shown this as well. Yeah. So most important strategy is fixed wake up time every single day. And when you wake up, don't say hit the snooze and the alarm. Keep your alarm clock away from the bed so you're forced to get out of bed. And when you get up, hydrate. Maybe warm water, maybe some cayenne pepper or some cinnamon or saffron, turmeric to help your metabolic rate go up, help flush out toxins, help with inflammation. And then get some sunlight on your face to drive down the melatonin levels. Don't stare at the sun and then complain that you got blind, But It has to be some sunlight on your face for 20 to 30 minutes. And eat a healthy meal before bedtime, high protein, slow carbs, and wind down before bedtime because your brain is not a light bulb that can be switched on or off. It needs to synchronize slowly and get into a habit of falling asleep. Don't lie in bed and start worrying about the things you got to do the next day or worrying about what you didn't do good enough the previous day. One hour before that bedtime is your mini vacation, right? Sleep is what I like to call it. And your room is supposed to be your cave. Cave dwellers back in the day didn't have flat screen TVs or windows.
0: Or electricity for that matter.
1: Or EMFs and electricity, right? So winding down, writing down your to-do list, maybe journaling, your worry list, kind of deconstructing what happened the previous day will not make your brain think about those things when you're lying in bed. The brain is going to be free of encumbrances. Then you do the yoga nidra. Then you do the physiological sighing and progressive relaxation. And of course, if you've eaten healthy foods for your protocols with your clients and maybe the need for certain supplements to boost those levels in healthy ranges, almost every single person allowing for a certain underlying issues like sleep apnea or severe anxiety is going to have beautiful restful high quality sleep
0: which one of your celebrity clients slept
1: the longest and the best
0: i would say mike Bryan
1: because he's the most recent guy i worked with he's a tennis player who's won 18 grand slams and he yeah he's such a great guy such a good human being as well and this kind of tracks in with the wearable he was using, I don't have any stake in any wearable companies, just so everyone knows he used the aura ring and he contacted me several months ago, randomly and said, Hey, I want help with my sleep. I said, is this a joke? How do you know of me? I have hardly any followers on Instagram and he on me. It was this guy and he said, I've tried seeing sleep doctors for decades. I've had horrible sleep issues my entire playing career. I could have won way more grand slams. And I said, okay, let's fix your sleep. I said, give it maybe six weeks or so. He called me three days later saying, I don't know what it is, my sleep issues are resolved. His aura ring showed that his HRV, heart rate variability was the same when he had crappy sleep and when he had optimal sleep. He was in bed and I saw those numbers and screenshots of that he sent me as well. 10 hours, nine hours, getting maybe seven, nine five hours variable highly variable but waking up feeling horrible each day what's a sweet spot now his sweet spot is seven hours seven hours he's waking up refreshed functioning throughout the day training maybe he's in the category of the short sleepers because ah, people who are training that intensity yeah. need maybe
0: nine so, or ten so, hours so it would be logic in my head is no, no no you need to sleep more dr shane says that people who slept longer had 4.3 more accuracy in basketball hoop but we need to actually work out the bio-individuality of a person for sleep. Exactly awesome. what you
1: do with your nutrition clients, yeah.
0: Awesome, awesome. If you were a nutritionist, and I know you've written this in your book, Peak Sleep Performance for Athletes, and what would be your top go-to nutrition supplements, nutrition foods, herbs? Can you rattle off what are your go-tos? And everyone listening in, there's a bio-individual purpose, right? Chamomile tea might work for me, but it might not work for Dr. Shane. But this is what we keep in our little bit of our food basket or medical basket, or or or, or uh, what would you call it? A small toolkit to help people out. So from a nutrition domain, what would you, Dr. Shane, prescribe?
1: Well, as again, I'm preaching to the choir, so please correct me or add anything you want. We would think about foods that help boost sleep quality, and what foods contain the supplements to boost food quality and sleep quality. Now, we know that if you're eating certain foods that have certain ingredients like melatonin, 5-HTP, GABA, you may not be getting the therapeutic dose that you need from the foods alone. But the bottom line is healthy foods for sleep would involve high protein, slow carbs. We think about what foods contain melatonin, tart cherries, Corn, asparagus, tomatoes, pomegranate, olives, grapes, broccoli, cucumber have more melatonin, right? Grains like rolled oats, barley may have higher melatonin. Nuts and seeds like walnuts, peanuts, sunflower seeds, flaxseed may have higher melatonin levels. When you think about 5-HTP, why is that important? It's needed to make serotonin. What sources in the food can you get more 5-HTP, more serotonin? Tryptophan. The amino acid tryptophan, which the body uses to make 5-HTP, is found in turkey, chicken, milk, pumpkin, sunflower seeds, turnip, collard green, seaweed. Japanese are big on seaweed because there's astaxanthin, which is a powerful antioxidant. Great. That's GABA. what doctors
0: say. I mean, it's like you're just pulling out everything from my book, which is eat healthier, have a variation of all of these, and you're going to get better. But what about GABA? Gamma-Aminobutyric acid. That's right. The sources are sleep supplements
1: like valerian, magnesium, L-theanine, L-arginine, kava, passionflower, American ginseng, all have an effect on the brain's GABA activity. But food sources include kefir, yogurt, whole grains, beans, um, tea such as green tea, black tea, oolong tea, fermented foods,
0: big sources, walnuts, almonds, sunflower seeds, Speak, and shrimp, sp- halibut. Speaking, speaking of tea, we never talked about caffeine. We didn't touch about caffeine. So um, I have this huge no-no not to drink caffeine after five o'clock in the evening because I get a very light sleep. So I don't go into that deep sleep. I can actually hear myself thinking. So what's your take on caffeine from teas and caffeine from coffee and then these caffeine supplements?
1: Yeah. Green tea has high amounts of caffeine. So green tea is a no-no before bed. You want chamomile tea. It has apigenin, as you mentioned. Good for sleep. But some people are more sensitive to caffeine than others. Why is caffeine even used as a stimulant? It doesn't necessarily stimulate the brain directly. It suppresses adenosine. Adenosine builds up during the day as you've not been getting sleep, and so it makes you sleepier. If it suppresses the added adenosine, it makes you less sleepy. Some people are more sensitive to caffeine. So those folks I recommend don't even have caffeine after 12 p.m. So 12 in the afternoon because it might affect your nighttime sleep.
0: That, that's me that's me yeah I just have one cup of coffee in the morning and in fact uh, dr. Shane I want to share with you we actually do the nutrigenomic testing for caffeine sensitivity so whether your liver can actually process caffeine or not and certain people just process it like that so those are the guys who can drink coffee and fall asleep I am in that category and
1: also those people who have ADHD I realized this the hard way in medical school before a major exam I said Mom, I need some coffee. I need some Coca-Cola. I need my Mars chocolates. I'm going to stay awake. Hmm. Didn't work. I fell right (laughs) asleep, woke up in a panic the next morning and realized (laughs) that the stimulant effect calmed
0: my ADHD brain down and I fell asleep. And probably got good marks because of that because (laughs) she wastes just about every paper in medical college. Guys, this is a gold medalist in college. So uh, we're getting some amazing tips from Dr. Shane. Dr. Shane, I know you have a very busy schedule. It's early morning there in America and you're going to head off to your clinic to practice right now. I know you've got an appointment coming up. So I'm going to let you go in a few minutes from there. Five hacks that you would recommend to anybody from a sleep perspective.
1: Fixed wake up time, morning sunlight, winding down before bed an hour before your desired bedtime. The healthy food, maybe two or three hours before your desired bedtime. Aerobic exercise, even brisk walking as if you're running late for 20 to 30 minutes each day, boosts your deep sleep that flushes out the toxins, and strategic napping if at all you need it. Fixed time, fixed duration. What is the duration? 20 to 30 minutes for most people. Or if you've been out late at night partying or traveling with jet lag, you need a nap the next day. Don't wake up later on like on a weekend. That's going to push your brain into jet lag but get a chunk of sleep to compensate for that sleep deficit you've had the previous night and you're golden.
0: That's very, very golden. Final point. I personally use magnets under my mattress to sleep, to biohack my sleep, which is the pulsating electromagnetic frequency. I've used it with athletes uh, across the world. It does affect the brainwaves. Are there any other biohacking devices that uh, you have seen, you have heard about, uh, which... Uh, people who travel different time zones or don't get enough of sleep can use so are there devices equipments i know you said that it's tossing a coin for the wearable so i've just tossed away my exercise wearable and i'm not going to use it anymore what could what else could i use to hack my sleep and get better sleep travel kits
1: so there's less expensive options there's more expensive options travel kits involve having the same kind of bedding wherever you go there's Hest, for example, H E S D.
0: My wife has to listen to this. I carry my own pillow and my whole family laughs at me. My whole family laughs at me. They call me a diva because I carry one pillow inside my suitcase. And like, what's wrong with you? You're a smart man, Ryan. And as the,
1: the saying goes, those who could not hear the music believed those that were dancing were crazy. <laughs> right? So... I love this concept of taking your sleep kit wherever you go, taking your favorite pillow. I love a weighted eye mask that completely blacks out any ambient light. Because I don't have blackout blinds in my house. And when you travel, you never know the situation in a given room or on a plane. Blackout blinds or masks, great. Also, if you're traveling across time zones, there are specific protocols and calculations I've developed for my athletes or anyone who works with me to mitigate jet lag. When I had athletes going to... Tokyo, 16 hour difference between Chicago and Tokyo, zero jet lag. When I go to India for Christmas, zero jet lag. When I go to Europe for work, zero jet lag. It's a, it's like a superpower. but you, if you know the sleep time that you need each day, if you know your training times, your exercise times, if you know your meal times, the travel times, the duration of travel, the time zones between the countries, there's a calculation I developed. And so part of that also involves light delivering glasses to reduce your melatonin and shift your rhythm quickly.
0: Oh, I've seen this at the Rio Olympics. The athletes were wearing uh, lights on the glasses. I actually have a set, which looks like Star Trek glasses. I have a, I have a pair too. Can I have a look at it? Yes, absolutely. So are they still space agent geeky as before they were like this huge, one, huge oh, ones that went around my eyes. These
1: are really cool. So
0: oh, they become like much more sleeker. These are the
1: AOAYO. And there's a proprietary kind of calculation where these light emitting diodes give you the right intensity of light delivered to your retina. So is it linked to an
0: app on your phone?
1: Yes, they also have an app that you can use. And it's super simple, not very expensive at all. Because if you people say, well, I need light. Okay, fine, I'm going to put on the lights in my house. That's insufficient. Sunlight has an intensity of 100,000 lux. L-U-X. The lights inside your house may be 1,000, 2,000 lux. But oh. you need at least 10,000 lux to influence your rhythm, your circadian rhythm, your melatonin. These ones deliver 10,000 lux equivalent. And there's also big light boxes you can use with 10,000 lux. But these I can wear, go about my daily life, drive, walk a dog, hang out, and 20 minutes goes by. Like I can read my work for the day. And use these especially in the winter time over here when the days get progressively longer and darker or rainy weather in the monsoon season you don't get enough sunlight on your face these kinds of things will help just tighten up your rhythm you'll feel more refreshed and functional during the day
0: awesome you've heard dr shane criado talking to me about uh, sleep problems i have so many questions which we're going to probably come back another day and talk about it but you and i are sharing notes with our clients I'm gonna be sending my clients to you, Dr. Shade. If my audiences want to reach out to you, where can we find you?
1: You can find me through my book, Peak Sleep Performance for Athletes. It's on Amazon and Kindle. Thank you. Thank you for that. Instagram is Peak Sleep Performance. One word. My email is info at com. My website is under construction, com, And my clients need your help so much as well. So I'm excited to, to have a team approach here. And I'm so grateful for you having me on today. Happy to come back anytime, Ryan.
0: Dr. Shane, it's been awesome. I've got three hours before I need to get to sleep. I'm going to be doing all the stuff that you have encouraged me to do today. I'm going to continue with my naps. But to everyone who's tuned in today, if you've loved this episode, I need you to help me out, change the way the world sleeps One person at a time. The health shot today was sleep is the new diet. And the health shot that we need is new awareness. Not stuff that's going to panic you, but just simple stuff. And what I can take away from today's episode is the same time you wake up every day. Have that sleep consistency. Napping is good. And final tip to everyone, the best nut on the planet with the highest melatonin content which should be eaten four hours before you go to sleep, is 10 pistachios with the skin on, unsalted. You heard it first here from Ryan Fernando. The health shots with me are going to be power-packed. They're going to give you better health. And I'm going to be getting you architects of human construct as we go forward. So stay tuned. Subscribe to this podcast. And we change your life every day. If you've liked this episode, then please gift me a like, a share, or a subscribe. Or better still, if you comment, I'll come back to you. And don't forget, let's stay tuned for a new learning coming in. But till then, your body is the most expensive real estate. Take care of it.